How to design your own prosthesis and turn the project into a bonding experience. From civil wars, whistleblower tactics, schematic drafting, and the finer points of Sith adoption, the essential how-to guide for the engineering Jedi. By Jack Daw Cry. Read by Sam Gabriel. Based on the works of George Lucas. Content warnings available in description. Chapter 11 Life will devour you like the ocean tide. To most people, the recovery ward would seem quiet and dark, with only the occasional beep or blip to break the silent darkness of the night cycle. To Darth Vader, the recovery ward was a symphony of song and stars as the force rang with the notes of the brightest harmony he could ever recall hearing. Sitting in the too-small chair in deep meditation, he had never been so grateful as now that he no longer actually needed to, or even strictly could, sleep anymore, for meditation allowed enough rest for his mind and body to sustain him. He had hated this fact for much of his miserable existence as a black wraith of death, to be unleashed upon the galaxy as his master saw fit, but adored it more than anything now, as for the first time in his living memory, he was no longer alone in his mind space. Luke, bright, brilliant, shining Luke was there too. A little star who didn't wish to hide from him behind shields or flinched at his very presence near his mind space, but who burrowed deeper and deeper into the core of his psyche until he had made a home in Vader's heart that he was loath to be removed from. Not that Vader wanted to. Sitting still and silent in the recovery ward, his home sleeping deeply only an arm's length away from him, Vader finally found his own joy in sinking deep into meditation and rest. A meditation filled with the contented and restful song of an iridescent star. It might be a folly of the highest order to think it, but as he curled around Luke's presence, so warm and light and filled with happiness, he thought that he could get used to this. He likely wouldn't be able to, home or not, and there was little use in hoping that Luke would always be as content in a bed of darkness as Vader was with a nightlight of stars, but it was a kind dream, like the ones he used to have when he was young and the world was simpler. It was a dream that didn't make him wearily pray for the morning to come so that it might end, and instead made him hold tight to every second of the night for just a moment more of this, for just a moment more of quiet company. The night passed like this in utter contentment, he and Luke singing in call and response within the force, the very air around them rippling with the deep, rolling thunder of his own signature and the sweet, crystalline chimes of Luke. A harmony of opposites, so perfectly in tune, a lullaby for a weary soul. The night slipped away between the gaps of their song, and before he knew it, the force in the recovery ward once more began to hum with the waking awareness of the staff coming in for the day cycle shifts. The light slowly came back up with the ward, brightening in accordance to the sunrise that would be taking place right now over the Imperial Palace, and Luke began to slowly shift in his bed of heartstrings and night. Allowing the child to wake up, but unwilling to hasten the process, Vader was slow to back out of his own meditative state as well, merely watching in quiet fascination as Luke's presence rippled and shivered 
with each passing pulse of awareness. Bleary chirps loudened into happy hums as he became aware of his surroundings, occasionally making an irritable peep as a wave of sleepiness dragged the little star back down into unconsciousness. It took more effort than he had expected not to jostle his home with his own laughter at the child's sleepy antics, but it was truly endearing to watch Luke do something as mundane and apparently as difficult as waking up. And though the child was as stubborn in sleep as in waking, soon enough Vader felt the little star slip out of his grasp once more and into the waking world, his own eyes opening just in time to witness Luke awakening to the world once more. Blinking blearily against the lights above him, Vader could only laugh silently as a mutinous pulse of indignation and sheer refusal made itself known in the Force. The child resolutely turning around in his bed as he pulled the sheets up over his head with a sleepy grumble, until he resembled nothing so much as a grouchy pile of blankets and pillows, with only a few light strands of hair sticking out over the edge. "'May the suns bless your day, little one,' he greeted fondly, with laughter in his tone. "'Welcome back to the waking world.' The pile of blankets made a sound of denial that sounded for all the world like, "'No?' he asked, content to tease the slowly awakening youth who was clearly resentful of the fact that it was a process he was experiencing at all. "'It's too early,' the pile of blankets and pillows mumbled, still tired. "'Ah, perhaps that has something to do with your insistence on going to sleep too late while you were still recovering from a grave injury?' he suggested lightly. As I told you yesterday evening. Don't say it so you so, Luke complained, voice still muffled by all the blankets. It's annoying. He laughed quietly and laid a hand on the blanket where he approximated Luke's shoulder was, the mound under the blanket humming happily at the contact, the force alight with chimes of contentment interspersed with annoyance. Perhaps so, he agreed with the child's statement. But I believe I can stand to be obnoxious for the moment, to remind you that I warned you staying up so late would have consequences in the morning. And I am afraid you cannot go back to sleep, little one, as the medics will come to prepare you for your surgery in little less than one and a half hours. Luke made a long, wounded noise of protest and despair, and Vader didn't think he had needed to restrain this much laughter in a long while. Impossible child. Don't wanna, Luke complained. Wanna sleep. You will be able to sleep during the surgery, Vader suggested. Not the same, Luke denied with a grumble. I'll wake up and be different again. Oh. It will not be as drastic as you think, little one, he attempted to reassure quietly. The only neural connection port of any significant size will be the one that will anchor your prosthesis to the bones within your forearm. The others are barely larger than a pinhead. That set sparks of curiosity raining throughout the forest like falling stars, the shock of light hair popping out from its little hiding hole as two huge eyes looked at him with fascination and hope. Really? The small voice asked from within the blankets. Ah, so that had been the source of the little star's reluctance to awaken. Yes, really, he confirmed. Or at the very least, 
That is what I remember of my last foray into the advancements of prostheses. I do not doubt that medicine has advanced since then, and they will be even less obtrusive now. He stroked lightly through the child's sleep-must hair, and felt his heart swell as his home hummed happily. There is nothing to fear, little one. When you awaken, you will be just as you are now, with only a minor addition to facilitate further connections. Luke was quiet for a moment, and Vader noted with some surprise that the sparks of curiosity were as bright and numerous as ever, glittering in the air. And... What about my prosthesis? Luke asked with a small voice. When... Will I be able to get it then? Once the design is complete and suitable for production, he answered promptly, mind going back to the schematic saved on his own datapad. It will take me a bit more time to complete it, what with my other tasks- Wait! Luke yelled, bolting upright with wide eyes. You are designing my prosthesis? Blinking at the sudden outburst, Vader reared back slightly as the child stared at him with a shocked intensity he had little idea of what to do with. I, well, yes, he said, roundly caught off guard. I am the foremost individual aboard this ship with experience in both engineering and prosthesis, and I just thought that perhaps the child would accept something made by cursed hands, would accept it didn't matter. It had been a selfish thought in either case, one he had foolishly given into because the little star had so often indulged his selfish whims. He'd forgotten what it meant to go too far, and he supposed that a reminder had been long overdue. He sighed and readjusted himself in his chair. Of course, I will cede all control of the project over to someone of your own choosing if you wish. I... What? He had a split-second warning as the dark chimed with something that was nearly mischief. And then Luke knocked into his chest at full speed, missing the control panel only barely in a move that had him experiencing a powerful sense of deja vu. But the Force sang with happiness, and Luke was hugging himself tightly into Vader's form, and he found that he hardly minded it at all. That he had been caught off guard by the same maneuver twice? Even less so when Luke hugged him even tighter, until he could feel it through even the thicker parts of his armor, and the child softly whispered, Thank you. Oh... Bringing up his own arms around his home and reciprocating the embrace as best he could, he thought that if this were to become a usual happening, he would cherish it until the stars went out. It is no trouble, little star, he muttered back, clutching the child close once more in a manner that he would never tire of. I was happy to do so. Luke laughed softly into the crook of his neck, joy and gratitude spiraling through the air in dizzying patterns that left Vader feeling as light-handed as if he had tried to breathe without his respirator, and yet he had rarely felt better. Still, the child mumbled, thank you, I... you have no idea what this means to me. Perhaps, he murmured back as he once more carded a hand through Luke's hair. But I may have some clue as to it, nonetheless. Luke laughed softly again and pulled back, resettling on the edge of his bed and smiling up at Vader as he wiped away a few tears at the corner of his eyes. Probably, uh, he agreed with a huff of laughter. I just... I didn't think... That a prosthesis would be provided for you, 
Vader suggested knowingly. A memory from a lifetime ago resurfacing on its own and being shoved away just as quickly. Luke glanced up at him over the edge of his sleeve with wide, startled eyes and nodded sheepishly. Yeah, I guess, he muttered. I just didn't think that I would be just given one to know why. Considering where you grew up, little one, he said softly. I would think it a very normal thought indeed. But for all that you are used to being otherwise, you must understand that the Empire looks after its subjects, and you will not be the first or the last person aboard the Laney to receive a prosthesis at no expense. You mean you look after them? Luke corrected with a hint of a smile. The Empire, Luke. It is standard policy for servants of the Empire to receive coverage for any medical attention and devices they might need, he refuted gently. But the child was already shaking his head. Would Tarkin provide stormtroopers with neural-connected prostheses as a matter of course? Luke asked pointedly, a knowing look in his eyes. I saw the pamphlets for the support group aboard the Lady Vader, he told the man quietly. There were a lot of stormtroopers in your average crewmates and all with neural-connected prostheses. Tell me, would someone like Tarkin, or even the Emperor, provide a normal, run-of-the-mill stormtrooper with a high-end prosthesis? And that, well, no. It does not matter, he deflected brusquely, looking away from two knowing and two questioning eyes, as he buried the answer to that question somewhere deep down. Doesn't it? Luke asked lightly, innocently. If they won't provide the rank and file with those prostheses, and you will, doesn't that say something? It. He trailed off as he grasped for answers, mind coming up frustratingly empty. It is more complicated than that, little one, he answered in the end, even as he himself wouldn't quite be able to explain how. We are getting off topic in either case, he hastily added on before the child could make any further inquiries. We were discussing your prosthesis, not those of everyone within the Empire's employ. Luke shot him a significant look, but relented after a moment, much to Vader's relief. Of course, he agreed easily, and then much more shyly, can I see the design so far? No. It wasn't finished. It was far from good enough. It was... Of course, little one, he agreed as he picked up the data pad for the nightstand. It is far from finished, he warned. But you should be able to get a general feeling for the design. Pulling up the design file and activating the hollow projector, he let the model of a prosthetic hand and forearm slowly spin in the air as he handed over the pad to Luke the little star eagerly taking it as he looked with wide, gleaming eyes at the design that, hopefully, would be deemed acceptable enough to become a part of him. Looking over the projection himself, he had to admit that it was certainly some of his finer work. With delicate machinery and painstaking details molded in order to render the hand nearly indistinguishable from a true flesh-and-blood hand at first, second, and perhaps even third glance, it would blend in seamlessly and the sensors packed into the synth skin would allow for sensory input, perhaps not on par with organic senses, but certainly as closely as was possible. All in all, it would be a worthy design for his home. A worthy design if only it hadn't made a flash of disappointment cross the child's face before being buried just as quickly, though in the force there was no hiding the saddened sting of disappointment. Is there something amiss with the design, little one? he asked. 
Anxiety is beginning to stab at his insides. You must be aware that it is as of yet unfinished and... Mm -hmm. Luke's eyes snapped upwards and quickly widened as realization shot through both his expression and the force like lightning. Oh, no, it, it's fine, he hurried to reassure. Really, I just, well, I, never mind. He quickly cut off. It was a silly thing to notice, really. He quickly shook his head and smiled at Vader, who was feeling the anxieties worse than ever, even as Luke attempted to reassure him. I love it, truly. Not quite a lie, but not quite the truth, either. Little one... He chided. You know you need not hide your opinion here. Please, let him know at the very least, if for no other reason than that this would be a medical device attached to his very body. If the systems are not to your liking, they can be changed. But I assure you that they are- It's not the systems! Luke blurted out, immediately slapping a hand over his mouth as he realized he had spoken out loud. Sorry, he mumbled, words muffled by the hand. Little one, please, he implored. I cannot change it if you do not tell me what it is. Please just speak your mind. Luke fidgeted in place as his gaze darted from the design to the blankets to him and back again. I, well, he faltered. I just, I'd hoped it would look a bit more, a bit more like yours, Luke mumbled. He couldn't have heard that right. Pardon? Luke glanced up at him, and even as he winced, repeated the statement a bit louder. I, I said I had hoped it would look a bit more like yours, he admitted before looking back down at the blanket. Like I said, he muttered, it's stupid. Far from it is what Vader wished he would have said, but currently his mind had dropped some fifty levels down and was struggling to comprehend what it had just heard. Like mine? Luke flushed a deep breath and nodded, embarrassment flaring in the force. I just, I don't know, I just hoped it would be, the little star mumbled towards the ground. The metal, the mechanics, the otherness of it all, I'd hoped that, well, if I did have to have a prosthesis, it could look, I don't know, a bit more. He shrugged and made a vague gesture that Vader interpreted to mean everything that his prosthesis was and Luke's currently designed one wasn't, and that his home wanted a prosthesis like his. How in the name of the Force was he meant to process that? I, Luke, he began, but quickly drifted off, not knowing in the slightest how to continue that sentence. How did one explain to a child that one was not to be emulated, that one's form was not to be admired. His prostheses looked the way they did because they were constructed for brute force and nothing else, only capable of gentleness with guidance from the force. Luke's prosthesis should not have such an association. It should be associated with all that a prosthesis should be, nimble, strong, dexterous, and comfortable. Those were the things that Luke would need to associate with his prosthesis, not, not him. But it was too late now, wasn't it? Would he tell Luke that his wishes were not appropriate? That what he wished for his prosthesis to look like was wrong? Would he discourage Luke from wanting what he wanted? Force, he was truly going soft. He sighed, quietly enough that his vocoder wouldn't pick up on the sound, and reached out for the data pad. Something a bit more like mine, hmm? 
he muttered as he opened the editing screen and picked up the stylus. Mechanical and strange, metal and plastisteel, organic lines and artificial material, but something distinctly Luke. Something that would fit the child, rather than a cold and impersonal copy of his own prosthesis. Something different. With slow strokes of the stylus, he began to change the padding used to simulate muscles into curved plates of steel, synth skin to a glossy layer of enamel, sinking into the mind space of design and creation that he so rarely had the time or will to indulge in anymore. The prosthesis changed before his eyes from something as close to real as possible with current technology to something distinctly hybridized. Organic lines and artificial materials, something new. Taking his stylus off the data pad, he took a moment to analyze his work. Frankly speaking, it looked like no prosthesis he had ever seen before. Not even his own, when it had still been something more than the bare-bones utilitarianism of his current designs. It straddled the line between realistic and mechanical, with not a wire or servo exposed, and all the mechanics hidden under the curved plates that made up the outer layer of the prosthesis. Every curve and line seems to further create the shape so much like an organic limb, but with the gaps and grooves of where the hard plates fit together, it wouldn't be hard to see, even from a distance, that the limb was far from natural. Narrowing his eyes as he tilted his head to get a better look at the design in its entirety, he couldn't help but think that there was something still missing. As it stood now, the design was bare, and the dull, grayish hue of Durasteel. That wouldn't do. Not for Luke. He couldn't exactly see colors anymore through the lenses, but he still had the force. Selecting the color wheel, he slowly adjusted the values of the settings as he attempted to visualize them in his head without the permanent red hue over everything. The dark slowly guiding him along as he felt the little star's awe and excitement slowly building around him into a castle of light. Releasing the color value for blue, he looked at the shade that made the force sing with something good and right. It was light, so very, very light. And a glance at the name for the color told him it was classified as porcelain white. Tilting his head at the color that he'd been guided to, he tried to visualize where he could be meant to apply it and was struck with an idea. Selecting the layer on the hard panel covering for the prosthesis just under the gloss layer, he began to apply the color in slow, methodical strokes. It looked somewhat off to him, but once the color had been applied, it already looked much better than the original design. Selecting the color wheel once more, he repeated the process until he came to the color labeled Brass. Looking over the design for where the accent colors would need applying and with careful precision, selecting the places where the underlying structure of the prosthesis was visible between the hard plates, he began applying the accent color. Gaps in the wrist around the knuckles, in the creases of the palm, Everywhere the hard plates gave way, he added a small bit of polished brass into the design until it was nearly finished. Rumbling deep in his chest, he tapped the stylus against the side of the data pad. The design was ostensibly finished, but it didn't much feel like it. It was too... too clean, too manufactured. He couldn't yet look at it and think, Luke. It needed just a bit more wildness, something untamed and impossible and desert. The realization struck something within him that chimed like a bell, and as the memories of swirling sand and searing suns whipped up into his mind like a storm, 
he knew what the design was missing. Tapping the engraving tool, he configured the hard plates to detach from the main design and, with hands guided by the whispering of the force and the excited chattering of the dark, he laid down the lines of stories half buried in the dust of ages. Luke. Lukesh. Blessing of the Storm. A name for those who would face adversity with a smile and walked the storm with a laugh. A name for those whose freedom would never be tarnished. A name of those who would carry out the will of Kestra, the sacred storm of sand. A name for a runner. A name of someone born to air and wind. A name befitting the little star. Old stories of the storm that hid the children as they took their freedom filled his mind. The very dark around them coming to life with something strange and unfamiliar as he worked. Each line of wind and air engraved a note into a symphony of wind chimes and flutes. A song of the wind. An ode to the storm. The stylus drifted over the screen with barely any input of his own. His hand guided in every stroke and line by something that was warm with the memories of remembered sunlight and the stories of runners. Those who chose to walk the way of Kestra, who held their wings granted to them by the storm out over the heads of their siblings. Heroes who took to the flight paths time and again with countless souls under their guard, guiding them to freedom and a new life who fought the masters and beat them at their own game, all for the sake of another. With every new stroke, the lines drifted closer together into a familiar design, the star paths run by the first runner, the winds sent by the sandstorm to guide their way, and the wings granted to those who chose to walk the harsh and unforgiving path of the storm, regardless of the perils it held. The stylus came to a halt without his input, and shaking off the haze of sunlight and mirages, he looked at the design in front of him. Thin lines covered the plating in intricate patterns, delicate grooves that told the story no book would ever record. In long, intricate swirls lined with dots, the sandstorm blew across the forearm, buffeting two wings made of nothing but air and open outlines, rising up towards the star chart engraved on the back of the hand. The three moons and twin suns watching over all from the back of every fingertip. An engraving that told the story of the brave youth it would become a part of. Finalizing the engraving, he realized that there was only one color that would be fit to highlight the grooves running across the length and breadth of the arm. Selecting the color wheel one final time, he adjusted the values until a pale, familiar color showed itself. With desert sand as the color in his brush, he filled in the engraving grooves with one sweeping stroke. There. Finished. Setting down the stylus, he finalized the design, and with a click of a button and a flash of the hollow projector, the new and hopefully improved design spun into the air. A soft gasp rang out through the air, and jerking his head upwards to the source, he was struck by how he never knew that his designs could inspire such awe in someone. 
With wide, watery eyes and a hand clasped over an open mouth, Luke gazed upon the result of Vader's small bout of madness, creativity. Was there even any significant difference? He hoped so, and he hoped it would be enough for the design to win the heart of who would have to approve it. Laying the datapad carefully out on the bed to stabilize the projection, he watched as Luke hesitantly reached out towards it with his hand, spinning the projection with careful swipes as he took in every detail. Shifting a bit in nervous anticipation, Vader tilted his head at the little star in askance. Is this more to your liking, little one? He asked hesitantly. Luke's eyes snapped over to Vader from the projection in front of him, and like the dawning of the suns, Luke's face lit up into a brilliant, disbelieving smile. Gaze darting back and forth between the design and Vader, he slowly shook his head, smile never leaving his face. I... It's everything I hoped for, he whispered quietly. The dark chimed out a happy warning, and this time Vader was preparing for the child when Luke once again launched into an embrace, catching the little star handily and holding him close as Luke once more pressed his face into the crook of his neck. Thank you, he whispered. As many times as the moon's ever watched over me, thank you. He, well, he... Huffing out of breath as he felt heat sting his cheeks, Vader nudged the side of his head softly against Luke in an awkward gesture of affection and responded in the only way he knew how. And may they always guide you back to me when you need aid once more, he muttered back quietly. It was my honor, little one, truly. Luke made a soft sound. And when he pulled back slightly, he still smiled just as brightly when he looked at the design again, laughing softly. I love it, he told Vader quietly. Everything about it, it's just, it's me in a way I can't really explain. And you just, you just made that. And he looked back with a beaming smile. Thank you. Heat burned ever hotter in his face, as the little star once more expressed a gratitude so sincere, he didn't quite know what to do with it. I take it you approve the appearance for production then, little one, he asked quietly, not knowing what else to say. Luke huffed at a laugh as he wiped at his eyes, nodding. Yeah, no doubt about it. Then I shall endeavor to fine-tune the systems as soon as possible and deliver you the finished product, he promised, already thinking of when he would be able to squeeze in a couple of hours to work on the design. There were still some issues of mobility and strength to speak of. Luke was an engineer, and he didn't doubt that the child would be delighted if his new limb would be able to take over the function of a few of his tools. It would take a bit more work to integrate the systems, however, and... Can, uh, can I see? Luke asked shyly, startling Vader out of his thoughts. Maybe I can help a bit? Of course, he agreed, even as he wanted to hide the deeper design far away from prying eyes. You will need to know the systems if you want to maintain them anyway. But Luke was a brilliant engineer, and it had been too long since they had had the opportunity to talk mechanics together. To ask him to resist was to ask him to be a stronger man than he could possibly be. Opening up the hands to put the internal systems on display 
He immediately identified the trouble spots he had been working away on for the last few days whenever he had a bit of time. The servos in the joints of the fingers, the ports that would connect to the ulna and the radius, the... Luke whistled softly, his eyes sweeping over the systems now laid bare within the projection. Whoa, he muttered. I... this is some serious stuff. He passed a hand along the projection, and Vader watched in fascination as the little star began to pick at some of the systems. He chuckled lightly as Luke stared at some of the more subtle innovations he had managed within the mechanics of the hand. But of course, he rumbled, a touch of humor to his tone. Did you think I would deliver to you substandard work? What? No. Luke's eyes shot up like those of a startled animal. The chiming alarm bells in the force touched with the innocent wish not to offend, and Vader couldn't have stopped the laughter if he tried. Shoulders shaking lightly, he watched as realization dawned on Luke's face, and the startled wide eyes narrowed into an annoyed pout. Oh, haha, very funny. It very much was, he agreed lightly. Force child, he chuckled. You truly are a treasure. Luke made a grumbling sound and pouted for a moment longer, much to his own mirth, until the lure of mechanics evidently became too strong to resist in favor of maintaining his offended airs. Poking and prodding at the design, Vader watched silently as Luke delightedly went to work analyzing every last corner of the hand, humming happily and occasionally making a confused sound when he encountered something he didn't quite immediately understand the purpose of, often silently followed by a triumphant sound when he worked out its function. It was sheer joy to watch, and he had nearly forgotten that they were supposed to be working on furthering the design when Luke made a victorious sound and enlarged a particular part of the design. What if you change the alloy here from duranium to turanium? Vader blinked at the sudden shift in Luke's demeanor and leaned in to see where the child was pointing. One of the connector points for the control nerves. He had had trouble getting them to the performance level he wanted without adding undue bulk to the delicate points, but so far he had a block. Elaborate if you would, little one, he asked while spinning the design to get a better view on the point Luke was suggesting. I mean, just think about it. Luke said as he tilted the design a bit. I see you flagged the pieces too large, right? Well, what if we change the alloy? Terranium may be more difficult to work with than even duranium, but if we use the printer and a microscope-guided grinder, it would allow for much thinner components than duranium would ever get you. The only issue is the high melting point, but if you use the printer, the laser just takes care of that. Chuta. He had forgotten about the printers again. Luke attempted to stifle a laugh and it was only then that he realized he'd cursed aloud. How do you forget about the printers? Luke asked through halting breaths as he attempted to keep his laughter down. They're the single most useful thing around here. Deciding promptly never to speak his thoughts again, ever, Vader ignored the manner in which his face felt like it had gotten sunburnt twice over and focused on an explanation. Quite easily, he grumbled. When I still had the time to focus on engineering and mechanics, I had little access to them, if I had access at all. By the time they became more ubiquitous, I had gained many other responsibilities, and I have yet to be able to fully embrace them into my methodology. Luke smiled warmly at him. Well, then I guess that's why I'm here, he murmured softly. And Vayner, he hardly had any idea of what to do with such a declaration. Thankfully, Luke didn't seem to expect an answer as he carried on. Come on, then, he said as he refocused on the design. Let's rethink these things with a Terranium base in mind. That at least he could do. Agreed, he muttered with a nod as he scrutinized the port with a new perspective. 
They worked their way through the rest of the design in a similar fashion, debating back and forth on the merits of various alloys, servos, and wiring techniques, using each other as a sounding board in a manner that Vader had sorely missed, and that he could tell Luke had too by the sheer joy that spiraled through the air alongside his own, dipping and diving around his own like an excited fawn weaving between its parents' legs. Multiple issues within the hand were resolved in rapid succession, and he could scarcely remember the last time he had felt disengaged and challenged in a field, as the both of them drove each other to think of ever more inventive solutions to all manner of issues. So engaged were they, in fact, that he didn't register the approach of the medics until they were at the door and letting themselves into the room. Looking up from where they were just discussing the merits of redesigning the wiring around the radius port, or the radius port around the wiring, he tracked the four signatures of the medics filing through the door. Medic Ruthgar, Valent, and Pelly were there once more, alongside their assistants, and watching them stumble hesitantly into the room as they caught sight of him, he was once again struck with how time melted away whenever he was engaged with the little star. Hello, it's good to see you all, Luke greeted them happily, before turning back to Vader once more. Continue this later? he asked, voice and force filled with something hopeful and expected that Vader doubted he could deny even if he wanted to. Of course, he answered without preamble. We have yet to resolve the issue of the radius port. Luke shot him an annoyed look. No, we haven't. You're just stubborn, he protested. First the port, then the wiring, he asserted. It'll take the pressure off having to design a port that's compatible with the wiring and the neural connector and allow focus on just the neural connector. It's simple math. You underestimate the redesign that will be necessary for the rest of the prosthesis, Luke, he pointed out. The wiring is as it is for a reason, and changing it might incur more issues than it resolves. Furthermore, he added as Luke already opened his mouth to protest, now is not the time. I will see if I can resolve the issue while you are in surgery, but put it out of mind for now. Luke huffed out of breath, and Vader had the suspicion the child was barely refraining from rolling his eyes. Fine, he relented, shutting off the projector and handing the data pad back over to Vader. Later, he promised. Later, he returned, before shifting his focus back to the medics who were awkwardly hovering at the edge of the room, looking at the two of them like they had both grown a second head. Already tired of the unproductive and obnoxious activity of staring at one another, Vader crossed his arms and fixed them with a look he knew the dark would convey effortlessly in spirit, despite his mask. Are you aiming to make the preparations from a distance, medics, he rumbled, or are you planning on approaching your patient at some point? Now the little star did roll his eyes and shot Vader an annoyed look. They were being polite and trying not to intrude, leave them be, he chastised. And were it not for the fact that the medics were staring at them like they were some manner of spectacle, Vader might have felt it too. As it was, he merely held his tongue and glared at the rubbernecking medics until they either felt his growing irritation with them or they realized they actually did have a job to do after all. Medic Valent was the first to snap out of her trance and shook her head as she grinned wide back at Luke. Hey, kid, she greeted. How's it been? Besides the fact that I had to wake up too early, he retorted dryly, before easing back into a genuine smile with a shrug. It's been fun. Medic Valent quickly glanced between Luke and Vader, and the Force flashed with equal parts confusion, resigned acceptance, and amused relief from her and her colleagues. Happy to hear it, kid, she told him sincerely as she walked up to Luke, Vader stepping back to allow her the room she needed to inspect the remains of the burns along Luke's right arm. 
Gently unwinding the bandages and back to patches, she inspected the still somewhat red and shiny, but quite clearly no longer overly sensitive skin with a few careful brushes and pokes. Well, kid, she said as she finished inspecting the arm with a final scrutinizing look at the skin on Luke's stump, I'd say you're all healed up, far enough for the proper surgery. So if you're ready, I'll be giving it the all clear. Sounds good, Luke agreed. Let's do this. With the permission granted, the old woman turned over her shoulder and signaled the rest of the medical team with a curt nod. Within moments, Luke's bed was swarmed with all the various medical staff attaching scanner points, checking the IV line with quick motions, and otherwise preparing the child for the surgery ahead. There was care to the motions, certainly, but also a clinical aspect that left Vader feeling on edge and wary on the child's behalf. By the time the stretcher was rolled in to transport Luke to the operation theater, he couldn't deny that he was feeling nervous, which was amplified by Luke's own anxiety as the whole event became distressingly real, even as the medics attempted to keep him distracted with cheerful conversation. Keeping close by when the stretcher was finally wheeled out of the recovery ward and towards the operating theater, Vader couldn't help but hope that time would pass just as quickly as it did in the absence of his little star as it did with him, even as he knew it to be an idle hope. They proceeded quickly to the operating theater, and before he knew it, a reluctant medic was blocking his way at the entrance. "'I'm sorry, my lord,' the surgery assistant told him, a small tremor within their voice, "'but I must ask you to remain outside of—' "'Wait!' Luke called, and everyone's attention promptly snapped over to the child, who flashed a deep red, anxiety flaring within the force and reaching out toward Vader's own signature. "'Can't he—can't he stay at least until—until—' until Unable to finish his sentence, but intent made more than clear, Vader nearly resolved to shove the hapless assistant out of the way to reach the child when Medic Pelly spoke up. I suppose it can remain until the anesthesia takes effect, she allowed hesitantly, before turning her gaze towards Vader. But I must ask that you leave the operating theater immediately once it does, my lord. She ordered in a tone that brooked no arguments, and for once Vader wasn't interested in making any as long as he was able to soothe the worst of Luke's anxieties. Newted, he acknowledged curtly, stepping around the assistant who had feebly attempted to block his path and towards Luke's side, attempting to form as little of an obstruction to the medics rushing around him to ready everything and yet not caring much when he caught Luke's gaze. Luke, who smiled up to him with a shy and watery smile, "'Guess this is it, then,' he muttered quietly. "'It is,' Vader agreed just as quietly." There is nothing to fear, little one, he soothed. And then, in a sudden burst of inspiration, trust me. Luke's eyes widened, but between one blink and the next, a soft smile overtook his face, his home's force signature calming effortlessly. Just tell me how, he muttered back. Administering the anesthetic, one of the medical assistants told them. You'll fall unconscious in a couple of moments, sir. Fear swept into the forest as Luke's eyes widened even further, and Vader automatically grasped Luke's one remaining hand to draw his attention back to him. Easy, little one, he muttered. I will be there when you wake again. Promise, Luke mumbled quietly, with large eyes that were already beginning to droop. I promise, he told the little one with as much sincerity as he could manage vowing that neither the Force nor the Dark would be able to keep him from fulfilling it, even if both seemed disinclined to hinder him. Sleep, little one, he told the child gently. The world will be a little easier once you wake. 
Luke hummed back. Eyes dropping closed entirely, hand beginning to fall slack with Invader's grip. He waited a few moments longer to be sure, and only when the little star of iridescence hummed of a restful sleep did he finally dare to let go. He's under, Metagrithgar told him needlessly. I'm sorry, my lord, but you really must leave now. Aware of that fact, and unwilling to waste any more words when the medics could be proceeding with the surgery that much faster, Vader merely nodded and marched out of the room without another word. With a pulse of the dark, he closed the doors to the operating theater behind him, and attempted to put the urge to rush back inside out of mind. At the very least, there was work to be done to distract his mind with. Walking back down the hallways without any true destination in mind, he resolved to find some place close by to wait and work until Luke came back out of surgery. Perhaps the recovery ward once more? The dark wrapped around him in a mockery of an embrace, whining lowly as he drifted further and further away from his sleeping home, and for once he was in full agreement with it. He hoped it would be done and over with as soon as possible as well, but for now, there was work to be done, and he had promised Luke to see if he could not resolve the issue with the radius port before he woke once more. There was a minor backlog in reports and other paperwork that would need to be sorted too, as well as any potential leads and updates within the investigation. Opening his inbox on his data pad and immediately discarding any and all mail associated with Ozel and any of his lackeys, he sorted the remains by priority and selected the first. A report from the Chief Officer of Communications concerning the inquiry made into the authorization codes of the general order given for the disposal of the security data cache. Apparently the reason they had been unable to locate the order within their archives was because their search parameters had been flawed. They had been looking in the archive of the wrong tier of codes, and now that they had changed their parameters, they had confidence that they would find the order in question soon. My lord! A voice called out to him, breaking through his concentration and directing his gaze upwards at the source of the call. At the door to the recovery ward, a man in an engineer officer's uniform was rushing towards him, with kicks hot on his heels in his more customary medical uniform. A frantic wave of desperation crashed into him through the force as the man approached, and it set Vader on guard in mere seconds. Officer, he acknowledged curtly. Report. The man heaved down a breath of relief as his shoulders slumped and he nodded rapidly. My lord, he began urgently, saluting as he straightened up. There was a situation in the main hangar. The Admiral, Admiral Ozzel, he's gone utterly mad. The man fidgeted even as he stood at attention, breath coming out in heavy pants, and Vader had to wonder if the engineer had run here the entire way. He's... He's been attempting to override the lockdown orders and take a shuttle out of here, ostensibly for emergency reasons, though he refuses to clarify and merely demands that we let him pass. Captain Piet has been blocking him on your authority, but the situation is escalating at an unstoppable rate. More and more officers have been getting involved, and when I was sent to inform you of the situation, there were already more than 20 different high-ranking officers involved. My lord, we're not sure how much longer we can keep the situation under control, and it's looking like there might be a riot. Why was I not informed of this? He interrupted brusquely almost forgetting to dismiss the man out of his salute as he cast out his presence into the force, indeed picking up on a larger agitation of moods than usual somewhere around the hangar. It was still small enough to get lost in the hundreds of thousands of force signatures aboard the lady, but it was growing stronger by the moment. What was happening there? Uh, we, we, we tried to get a hold of you, my lord, the officer stammered out. But you were not responding to your comm, and it was assumed you were still within the medical wing, which is why I was sent by Engineer Livon to inform you of the situation and ask that you please get it back under control. We've been fielding calls all morning, my lord. Kicks cut in brusquely as he walked up, not a trace of humor in his tone. 
I was about to come get you myself. But then the gearhead over here arrived, and I thought it best to guard him to you myself before he had a breakdown. He crossed his arms with a knowing look that Vader didn't like one bit as he continued. I should have known you'd be seeing the kid safely into the operating theater, though. My bad. He had no time for Kix's sly insinuations into a situation he had no understanding of, his mind already going a light year a minute to work out the situation this frantic engineer had been sent to him to sort out. You two with me, he informed him shortly, already turning down the hallway towards the exit in the elevator station. He had little idea of what was going on, but across the lady tempers were evidently flaring high, and the more he focused on the ripples of emotions spreading out within the force, the more he got a grip on the individuals involved. Offense, indignation, determination, forced calm, desperation, and a deep, frantic, primal fear that had Vader wondering who it was and what it was that had them in such a state. Honing in on the fear and its origin, he nearly grimaced in disgust when he felt a familiar, oily presence brush against the edge of his own, Admiral Ozzel. Clearly, the man was fearing something with such a bone-deep intensity that Vader wasn't surprised that it had evidently driven him to desperation. But there was something more lurking beneath that all-encompassing fear, something... What in the name of the Force does that half-wit of an admiral think he is doing? He snarled out to no one in particular as he stalked down the hallways, lengthening his strides into a hunting pace and disregarding the struggle he was beginning to sense in the officer and his attempt to keep up. This would need to be handled with haste. Officer! He barked out as he manually set the destination in the elevators and summoning a railcar with a lash of the dark, bypassing the troopers at the station entirely. Elaborate on the situation. Admiral Ozzel is attempting to breach lockdown. Give your best estimates on the reasons as to why and how. Yes, sir, the officer answered reflexively, and thankfully he had the sense not to waste precious time with correcting titles. We don't know why, my lord, he quickly explained. The Admiral simply rushed in about half an hour ago and has been attempting to requisition a shuttle ever since. He has given no reason as to his decision and has attempted to override the lockdown with his authorization codes multiple times, only failing because Captain Piet had the foresight to set your codes as the only valid ones. But then he tried to override that order with his authorization codes and he's been attempting to pull rank ever since to reach his objective. Captain Piet has so far been able to block him, but tensions are rising and the public scene it created has attracted enough attention that I fear it may soon boil over. Tensions over what? He growled as he walked into the rail station at a rapid pace, radiating enough danger and menace into the force that even the crewmates in the station knew how to get out of his way. The Admiral is in clear violation of lockdown that is making illegal demands he has no right to make. Why has he not been restrained and put in detention? The officer made a strangled noise, and Vader spared half a glance behind to see the man struggling to keep pace, even as kicks matched his speed evenly, expression darkening with every word the officer uttered. The Admiral has several other high-ranking officers on site, my lord, the man rushed to explain. They've been asserting his authority towards the flight crew still complying with the lockdown with barely-veiled hostility and insisting that Captain Piet and those supporting him step aside and allow the shuttle to be cleared. Did they intend to join the Admiral in his attempted breach of lockdown? He asked sharply. A picture of the situation beginning to form in his mind even as the railcar hurtled along the tracks. The dark beginning to swell around him as a conclusion began to suggest itself, hissing eagerly at the prospect of dealing with these so-called officers. If so, they are all guilty of mutiny, insubordination, and potentially desertion. We don't know, my lord, the officer squeaked out. They won't elaborate on their plans or explain any reasoning behind them, and they get more hostile with every attempt to negotiate. I just... 
I was merely instructed to find you and inform you of the situation after attempts at hailing your comm failed, my lord, nothing more. I couldn't tell you anything about what the situation is and isn't. Spilling out of the officer and eagerly lapped up by the dark that coiled ever tighter in anticipation of violence and rage, at his wit's end with the uselessness of the information of the officer, he once more threw himself into the force, allowing his presence to flare out and hone in on the ever-building bubble of tension in the main hangar that was nearly sending the dark frothing at the proverbial maw at the prospect of a feeding frenzy. The fear and desperation had skyrocketed, and there was a certain tension underneath the whole bubble of wildly boiling emotions that had him tensing in his frame as well in the anticipation of a fight. There was little calm to be found in the melting pot of confusion, dread, fear, and desperation, but here and there he found the spots of composure and level-headedness, the largest of whom had the distinctive blend of sensations that could only be described in the same terms as one would use for a planet, a surface of steady and hardened indifference to outside influences and a molten core of determination and tenacity, he had. Thank the force the captain was on the case of keeping this madhouse in check. As productive as all the chaos was for fueling the dark, if there was a riot that would prevent him from keeping his promise to be there for Luke when he woke up, the morgue would be getting the express delivery of an ex-admiral's corpse. They might still get it either way, seeing as that if this wasn't a case of mutiny, he had already resolved to rewrite the military law to include it in its definition. The railcar ground to a halt, and Vader strode out the moment the doors slid open, kicks in the officer right behind him. He paid them no mind. His attention shifted wholly towards the brewing and bubbling tension only half a click or less away. Crew and trooper alike made sure to grant him his space as he swept through the hallways and into the main hangar, sometimes quite literally throwing themselves against the sides of the wall. He paid none of them any mind. The moment he entered the hangar, he could already hear the cacophony of the rising argument come up to meet him as the cavernous space amplified all echoes call and responses of various troopers who were attempting to keep the peace, increasingly loud and desperate demands to be allowed to break lockdown and grating above it all, the shrieking of one Admiral Ozzel as he demanded his authority to be respected and allowed to disobey direct orders, pressing into his skull with a sharpness not unlike the actual needles present there. He hardly cared what words were used to say it, he saw the true intent behind it all with crystal clarity. Growling at the flagrant insubordination and disrespect, he set the dark loose as it snarled and snapped with him in turn. His presence of void and starless night billowed out throughout the entire hangar, pressing down on all present and asserting his presence until even the humming of the machine seemed quieter, the cacophony of voices breaking off in the dead silence as he rounded the corner and finally caught sight of the near riot. There in the middle of the shuttle bay stood Ozel and the various officers he recognized as the man's loyal lapdogs, postures still puffed up and tense with delusions of authority that were deflating rapidly. He spotted Piet standing directly in opposition to them, and he felt both a spark of gratification and a flare of concern when the man's posture and expression lost tension instead of gaining it when he caught sight of Vader's approach. Evidently, whatever Ozzel and his moronic psychophants had been attempting, it had still been an unfair matchup against the good captain, with Ozzel's posse numbering thirteen strong while Piet had, at a glance, only General Veers, Lieutenant Alter, Engineer Livon, and the commanders Cody and Apo to immediately back him up, even as a whole crowd of troopers, engineers, crewmates, and officers with an apparent lack of spine gathered around and seemed to be at least passively assisting. Still, commanding officer the captain may be, it was high past time that the numbers were evened out in his favor. What? 
he growled out as he approached with long, predatory strides, the gathered crowd scattering out of his way to allow him a clear path towards Piet and Ozel. Is the meaning of all this? I am absent for one night shift, and suddenly I am informed that there is a bid to subvert the lockdown's security measures. He turned his full attention towards the two opposed men, and let the dark snarl out his displeasure with the situation. There had better be a sufficient explanation, officers, he hissed out, as to why there is an attempt taking place to disobey orders given directly in my name. While Ozel gaped and stalled out on any attempted sounds, Piet, thankfully, proved himself worthy of the trust placed in him as he saluted towards Vader without any hesitation. My lord, he greeted evenly, I'm afraid that the only explanation I can give you is that I was informed of an attempt to breach the lockdown while making my morning rounds. I proceeded towards the main hangar as quickly as possible after that, and was able to block Admiral Ozzel from his attempt. Regrettably, I have no more information to provide to you, as the Admiral was not forthcoming with his reasoning for the attempt, and has been rather obstinate in insisting that he has the right to illegally commandeer a shuttle and depart the lady with it. Any attempts at gathering information were waylaid by the more pressing issue of keeping all shuttles grounded. He bowed shallowly, and Vader grinned viciously as he felt the man's satisfaction bleed into the Force alongside Ozel's growing panic. Turning his attention wholly towards Ozel, he angled himself in the manner a predator might, and nearly hissed when Ozel's fears skyrocketed, and he knew that he was cornered. Excellent. And do you have anything to say to that, Admiral Ozel? He rumbled lowly, stepping towards the now slowly growing ball of panic that were Ozel and his lackeys. Or should I assume that you are guilty of mutiny, insubordination, and desertion right here now? Ozel trembled at his approach. The force was saturated with nothing but sheer fear and panic that brought a catharsis to Vader that had been a far too long time coming. Unfortunately, either Ozel's ego had grown unchecked for far too long, or the man possessed more of a spine than he was inclined to use at any given time. As the Admiral visibly rallied and managed to puff himself up with self-righteous indignation and fury once more. This is an outrage, he snapped at Vader with more steadiness to his voice than Vader could tell he was truly feeling. You cannot think to obstruct the regular comings and goings of a warship the size of the Executor. My lord, he hastily tacked on at the end, I demand to be able to travel as the duties of my station require without having to demean myself by asking you for permission like some rowdy you- You demand, Vader interrupted icily, the monotony of the vocoder lending a specific kind of disdain to his words not easily copied. Far more than your station affords you, Admiral. Drawing his head back and straightening up to his full height, he towered over the pathetic wretch of an admiral with his full disdain and power rolling through the force, the dark eagerly pressing it hard into the minds of all present. I am the supreme commander of the Imperial Armed Forces, Admiral, he asserted, the force ringing with the truth spoken, and I will order the state of affairs aboard this ship as I see fit. At the moment, there is a traitor aboard, and their identity is unknown. The four shrunk in fear around the Admiral at that statement, which meant something, and it was so close, so very close to revealing itself. And until they are discovered, this ship will remain in full lockdown. You cannot do this! Ozzel snapped, 
and there must honestly be a rather severe desperation behind the man's reasoning if he had already discarded what Vader had just said. There are errands that must be run, meetings that must be had. You cannot keep over a million people prisoner just because one brat got injured. There was an act of sabotage, you nitwit. General Veers shouted back before Vader could proceed with his impromptu plan of choking out the Admiral and continuing discussions with the next, hopefully more sensible spokesperson of the group that stepped forward. Someone tried to kill one of our own aboard this very ship, and you think a lockdown isn't warranted to ferret out the two-faced son of a bitch who managed to pass themselves as one of us? I can hardly fault someone for taking offense at that classless mistake darkening the hallways of this ship. Ozzel snapped back. I certainly object to this being treated as if the whole empire were under threat from one measly explosion that didn't even claim a single life. And there it was again, that shrinking in the force that Ozzel drew in on himself, something rotten and foul underneath the layers of bluster and ego that made Vader's hackles rise on end. It was familiar, but it was also... Am I to understand, Admiral? He growled, dangerously low and with lethal intent. That you find the existence of a conspiracy aboard this ship, aimed at killing an officer, no cause for alarm. Ozzel scoffed loudly and with more bravado than was ever wise. With all due respect, my lord, the man sniffed out. But as I told you in my report this morning, if I wanted to read about wild and improbable conspiracy theories, I would order a tabloid to be delivered. The saboteur and would-be assassin confessed to the existence of a conspiracy himself, Admiral, he cut off flatly. Uncaring of the multitude of individuals present who were not privy to that up until now, classified piece of information for reasons that he could not quite articulate yet, but that loomed over him within the dark. A firestorm at the heart of those dark and dangerous tendrils currently snaking throughout the crowd, riling it up while simultaneously keeping it paralyzed with fear. You would know this if you had bothered to read the reports on the ongoing investigation. Yes, another officer beside Ozzel, whose name Vader couldn't be bothered to recall beyond the rank of captain, because the ravings of what was clearly a madman about to die anyway are a reputable source to draw such conclusions from. He finished with an eye roll. Come now, my lord, everyone knows it was a last-ditch attempt at dragging others down with him. A member of the conspiracy he had named was found dead by suicide not hours later, Piat shot back evenly, sending ripples throughout the crowd and Vader couldn't be less bothered by the captain's flippant reveal of classified information if he tried. Not when there was something gathering in the force that seemed suspiciously close to Pyalco incidents. Another, a commander, threw back. What is your proof that he killed himself because he was some sort of nutcase conspirator or not just a regular nutcase? Kix made an enraged sound and stomped towards the commander who'd spoken, stethoscope swaying dangerously around his neck. Did you just call suicide the result of a nutcase? He spat out. Why? Well, they certainly weren't sane either if they off themselves, now were they? The commander shouted back. And you're even less sane if you believe that there is some elaborate ruse to get rid of the twerp. That was a fucking saboteur at work, you blind hawk bat! The ears growled. What? Are we forgetting that the whole reason this lockdown is happening is because there was an actual fucking saboteur? Who was caught and disposed of? The captain snapped. Why this whole circus is still necessary while the culprit has been apprehended and dealt with is a mystery for the ages. Enough! Vader bellowed over the din of shouting voices and accusations, silence falling in an instant. Enough! All of you. Yes, enough! 
Arsenal blustered. Enough of this lockdown, Lord Vader. We demand to be able to- Hold your tongue, he growled out. The dark lending enough weight to the threat in his tone that even Ozzel fell silent, pale and fearful. There'll be no lifting of the lockdown until the entire conspiracy has been apprehended and no earlier. Until then, you are all in violation of direct orders and will be disciplined accordingly. I will not have... He never got to finish his sentence as the force suddenly flared with panic and fear and one of the officer's nerves near audibly snapping. You take that back! The commander stated shakily, and in the blink of an eye he had pulled his service weapon and aimed the barrel at Vader. You take that back right now! Commander! Piet snapped. Lower that gun right this instant! You are threatening- No! The commander yelled back, near hysterically, as his hand shook while holding the weapon, eyes wide and wild as they regarded Vader with all the fear of cornered prey. No, 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 it wasn't- this wasn't supposed- he heard the troopers behind him shift to immediately draw their own weapons in response to the officer's reckless desperation, and he idly made a hand gesture to forestall any advancements. He hardly needed aid to deal with one desperate fool who was only now realizing how deep they were in. Ambling forward with all the care this danger warranted, he bared his teeth alongside the dark, in a mockery of a smile when the panic and fear rolled off the man in waves, gun arms shaking dangerously. Anything he would have said, however, was cut off when two other officers with more audacity than sense drew their weapons as well, and stepped forward too. Not another step, another commander snarled. Not you fucking dare take another step, you <laughs> Words cut off along with their air supply, and weapons were long forgotten when he lifted all three into the air with barely a gesture and a tongue of the dark. The compatriots scrambling away from under them as the three fools clawed at their throats, their weapons clattering to the ground. You dare draw a weapon on me, he murmured, not needing to raise his voice above barely even a whisper as the whole crowd around him went dead silent. You dare, he hissed, tightening the dark grip around their necks by a touch until they were truly beginning to struggle. Draw a weapon. On me. No answer came forth beyond gurgling, choking coughs as the men frantically attempted to draw in air while hanging suspended by their necks, the weight of their bodies only helping the process of an asphyxiation along. Not that he needed one. They had attempted to attack him. They were dead men. That, he told them icily, will be your very last mistake. Squeezing tighter slowly, gently, the life began to seep from their force signatures as he cut off the flow of blood and oxygen to their brains as well as their lungs. Their struggles became weaker and weaker, the dark coiling around him and then laughing, until at last there would be little more to be gained from them by prolonging the process. He gave one last vicious, crushing squeeze to their necks, until something sharply snapped and their signatures winked out in the force. Releasing the now lifeless bodies from his grip, he let them fall to the floor like ragdolls, the thump they made as they hit the ground causing flinches in the whole crowd and a ripple of fear and horror to spread outwards. Now then, he said mildly as he stepped forward towards the remainder of Ozel's little posse, even as they stumbled backwards, this is your situation. I am at the end of my patience, and the next person to make a similarly ill-advised choice will be summarily executed. 
Surrender to disciplinary measures or die, he ordered them bluntly. And before you decide your fate, let me state that I frankly have little care for which you choose. So if you fail to make the choice yourself, I will choose in your stead. Most mutineers had gone very pale in the face indeed, and when he saw the spirits break in more than one of them, he was curious to note that the desperation, the sheer fear of something other, seemed to outweigh their current fear by quite a margin. A margin large enough to allow Ozel to uncharacteristically rally once more, as he puffed himself up, even as his knees knocked together. An outrage! he bellowed the paleness in his face melting oddly into the redness of his rage and making for a rather unsightly, splotchy appearance. This is a grand abuse of power, and I demand that you cease this at once. To think that someone from the House of Ozzel would be required to bend because the spawn from some outer rim tramp didn't have the good common sense to defer to their betters. What? And know their place? What? Instead of parading around like they own the place, while well, I- Whatever realization he might have had, whatever tirade Ozel was about to go on was interrupted by the sharp, shrieking emergency alarm of his calm, as the dark wailed out a warning in tandem, the constant feeling of unease at last swelling into something distinguishable, a loud siren that had everyone including himself freeze up immediately, as they registered the one sound that could never be muted on the comm units no matter if they were standard issue or specialized like his. The signal that meant something had gone terribly wrong, and the person on the other end of the line had information with lives hanging in the balance. Grabbing the calm still blaring out an ear-splitting siren, he hit the call button and held it up for everyone to hear in the ensuing silence, even as the dark continued ringing the warning through his mind. Speak! He bit out at the device. Chief Officer of Communications! The man on the other end of the line rattled off in a single breath. We heard of the situation in the hangar, my lord, and I'm telling you to please listen when I say the following. Do not let Admiral Ozzel leave this ship. I repeat, do not let Admiral Ozzel leave the ship. Glancing up at the Admiral as the dark continued shrieking and warning, he finally saw the bluster and ego fall away from the man's force signature in shock and reveal the rot underneath. We finally found the general order of erasure for the security data cache. The security officer continued, oblivious to the sirens building invaders' head. He recognized it. He damn well recognized that feeling in the Force. How could he not? He wore it like a second skin. The codes on the Order were of a much higher caliber than we could ever have anticipated. The voice over the comm continued the explanation that Vader only vaguely registered as his eyes and eyes were finally opened to the truth that had been there the whole time, just slightly out of rage. This man, this feeling, he knew it. He knew what it was. That's why it took us so long to locate the Order and cross-reference the codes, but there is no doubt about it. Guilt. The feeling was guilt. My lord. The voice continued. Too far away and too close, all at the same time. It's the Admiral. Admiral Ozel ordered the erasure of the cache. The enemy. Finally revealed. I'm sorry, my lord. Were the words he didn't hear anymore. As the dark surged around him, and Vader. Vader saw red as he remembered the oldest lesson the desert taught. You didn't let your enemies live. The text of this story is available on AO3. Theme music written by Jack Donkadai, Sputnik, and Sam Gabriel. 
If you would like to commission me to record a story, voiceover, or character, please get in touch with me using the contact information on my website, which is located at samgabrielvo.com. And there you can find other stories that I've read, as well as links to my Patreon page, to which I hope you will consider subscribing to support me, and my Discord server, where I record things live for your enjoyment. And finally, as always, thank you for listening.